0: the innovative tool that helps turn your shipping challenges into opportunities for growth. Go to ShipStation.com and use code CARA to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, code Kara. Use code Kara for a free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, promo code CARA
1: there is room for you. Like if, if it really is something you love, there is room. You can insist that there be room for you. I am unwilling to give up. That I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where
0: I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get Hi, everyone. It's the Kara Golden Show. And I'm so excited for my next guest and kind of an unusual guest for us to have. But I was so excited when uh, when Finnerty, her name is Finnerty Steves, very, very excited when she was introduced to me by a mutual friend. And Basically, is uh, this awesome, awesome actress who I've admired for over the years, and we'll talk about sort of her next step that uh, she recently took. It has a brand new movie that is so, so good that uh, really took the next step from being an actress to, well, I'll let Finnerty talk a little bit more about that. But uh, welcome, Finnerty. And uh, actually, let me back up a little bit. Where I had first seen you, your first role- or at least the first role that I had seen you was uh, as Denise in The Sopranos and absolutely loved you in that. And then, of course, there was Orange is the New Black, which was one of my favorites. And uh, I don't know if anyone has ever said this to you, by the way, but the Orange is the New Black. I used to watch the show when I was little with my older sister called Cell Block H that was out of Australia. Have you ever heard about this? Yes.
1: Yeah, I watched. Oh, no, no. Not that. I was thinking of um, Wentworth also. I, I watched. I haven't seen Cell Block H.
0: It was. It, I mean, it was. This is totally different. Aging myself, but this is the 1970s, and it was the scariest. But it was about a female prison, and I have to believe that there was something there about when people were looking at Cell Block There was very different, but a lot of similarities. But I, I it was one of my favorite shows to sort of sneak late at night. Uh, but anyway, her that I've always wondered about that. So okay. I'm going to stop talking and we're going to just dig right in, but welcome Finnerdeed. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So one thing that I like to talk about on the show is just inspiring individuals about different types of careers and just different industries and how maybe they're similar to the industry that the listener is in. Maybe they're a little bit different, but talk to me a little bit about kind of, how did you get started?
1: Uh, well, I, you know, I was a really shy kid and, um, I'm still pretty shy, uh, actually, but, um, my mom talked me into taking a speech and drama class in junior high just to sort of get over any kind of like standing in front of a classroom or anything. I was just so nervous. And, um, and I started to sort of fall in love with it, even though I was still painfully shy. Um, so I took classes in, in, in in, all the way through high school and did school plays and stuff. And, um, I remember my high school guidance counselor saying, you know, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I want to be an actress. And he said, well, you can't, I mean, what's, what's your backup plan then, you know, you can't just do that. And without even really, I was not even talented. I think I'd been in two school plays or whatever, but I was like, I will never make it if I have a backup plan. Um, and I, and so, and he was like, okay. So I just knew that about myself that I just thought if I, I don't want any distractions, I'm just going to put my head down and go. So I, you know, I studied, um, acting in, in college and went to uh theater training school. Um, I went to American conservatory theater in San Francisco for, uh, to get my master's and I've just been plugging along forever as an actor. I love it. I love being an actor. I, I've, you know, I've, had a lot of rejection, but I just have never I've had the just the right amount of yeses, you know, to to continue going. Um and yeah, when I finished graduate school, I was um for sure going to move to Southern California. I lived, um, I lived on a sailboat actually in graduate school um in San Francisco because we were there during the peak of the dot com. It was just crazy expensive. So um so, I lived on a thirty two foot sailboat, <laughs> uh, which was a, a oh, real a great adventure. I was in school six days a week, and you know, so I didn't care really where I laid my head and it was a, it was a it was an exciting time. Were these in San Francisco, sorry, or in Sausalito, or actually in Alameda, which is a little island sort of like between yeah. Oakland, yeah my ex and I bought a boat and lived on the sailboat. It was, it was really fun. And then, so I was the only one of my classmates that was definitely going to go to LA after, after school. And then I, the age I had sort of, we did our little showcase and the agents in New York were more interested. And I just, I fell in love with New York city. And I was like, I felt like I was supposed to be here and, and I just love it. I just, I, I just, I love New York city. It's such a crazy, amazing place, but, um, it just felt like the right home for me. And it felt like when I was younger anyway, it felt like there was a distinction between sort of like the really attractive classmates went to LA (laughs) and the more character actors went to New York. And that's just a generalization, but that's sort of how it felt when we were younger that we needed to kind of do that. But, um, it doesn't feel that way to me now anyway, but, um, I feel like I've been able to be an actor here, you know, with theater and, um, with off Broadway. And then when I was, I did a lot of regional theater, so I would pick up and move to Minneapolis or
0: backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year.
1: A different town for three months to do a play or Arizona or, you know, it was a a great time. I don't do it. I don't travel as much anymore because I have a a baby. I have a seven-year-old. So it's hard to do to pick up your life. For four months when when you have a baby
0: interesting yeah do most actors that you ran into have masters or do they i mean what what's sort of the kind of the training that most actors and actresses have it's definitely not
1: necessary um it's it's not necessary it really kind of depends for theater though I found. I moved right after undergrad. I did a a really great undergrad program at Cal State Fullerton. I was here for just a short amount of time. And it was just, there were just so many fish in the sea that I felt like without that degree, it it wasn't really about so much the training, even though it was, it was more about how it could open some doors for you. And you have to weigh that, right? Because the, the most master programs are just so expensive that you have to sort of figure out like, you know, does this make sense? And I kind of felt like for me, my ingenue clock was running out and I did that really well. I was able to be an, a working actor before graduate school. I sort of took a big break between the two and I lived in, in South Florida and I was doing a lot of theater in that area and, and, you know, making a living, just being an act. Well, I shouldn't say that. I did wait tables too. That I did. Wait tables. <laughs> <laughs> what am I saying? Um, <laughs> I did wait tables, but I was able to be a working actor down there, which was wonderful. But I did feel like the ingenue clock was running. And I was like, I don't know that I have, I've always felt like I, would I'm a lucky person or that, you know, I'm sort of a scared person in general, but I also, I think the flip side of that scared coin for me is like a scared person sometimes feels like bad things can happen, but also scared people can, I think sometimes feel like really great things could happen too. And I always felt like I would run up against some cool opportunities. And I just wanted to make sure that I was prepared so that I could really Step into it. If I did get lucky, so I just never gave up. Really, <laughs> like I said, I think I'm more determined than talented. I've, I'm super stubborn, and I've just been like, I think if I can just stick my course of being like, I am an actor. Here's who I am, and I know this about me, and I'm ready to go and trained and ready to go. That like, eventually the the business will find me and hit me. If I if I if I keep running around going like, who am I and what what do I stand for? And I'm oh maybe I should be that that like there's a possibility we'll never meet up. But I was like, I'll just be me and be ready.
0: And then maybe an opportunity will hit me, you know? So. I love that. That's so great. One thing that I talk about a lot in, you know, becoming an entrepreneur is that every entrepreneur I've ever met has fears. And it sounds like every actor has fears as well, but the more fears you breakthrough and you look back on maybe it was that part that you didn't think you were going to get it. Maybe you weren't even supposed to show up one day for a certain part and then you ended up getting it and it ended up working out a lot better. So there's always this fear that goes along with it. And maybe people that you think are better than you that show up in the room, right? I'm sure you had a lot of that or having more experience and, but you just never really know until you try. And so I, that's what I loved about your story. And I'm glad you hit on this because it really, there's so many similarities, no matter what industry you're in, how that it really intersects in so many ways, with how people feel. There's this little thing inside your head that is saying, be scared. But the more of those you kind of move through, the easier it gets and the more resilience you have. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So, so you get to New York City, you're doing theater at this point. And uh, I guess The Sopranos, was was that the first big one that you kind of, that people would Recall, or what were you? Yeah, what that would you was you say to that? Of first
1: jobs out of graduate school, and it was I was such a fan of the show that, um, you know, getting that part, it was just you know, it was a pretty small, it was a small little part, you know. I was just, um, you know, a soccer, and you were mom, terrific, you know. I uh, thank you, but it was, you know, it was, I think, for me, it felt like. You know, I've it, it, I, I just realized, I don't know that I totally answered your question earlier about graduate school, because what I just circling back to that briefly, it just made me think of that, that I felt like without that training and being presented to agents in a way, it's not, it's, it's their safe way to of knowing, like, I can send this person in and they are they just know that you have the reputation of the school behind you and that you, you know, that you have that. So it's not, it, you know, it's just a little bit easier. So it definitely doesn't buy you an agent at, at all, but it does put a little bit of an asterisk next to you to, to, to just sort of skip, skip the line a little bit, if that makes sense. So I was able yeah. to get a really great agent, um, out of school and that helped. And so, um, and this was one of my first roles, and, um, I was invited to the table read and that was one of the most exciting days of my life. I was sort of like, I, I could be done now because I, we had to go around the room and introduce ourselves with the entire cast. And, uh, I still get like, that was years and years ago. And I still get all nervous just thinking about it. Cause I was just at, I was like, this is surreal. And you know, there, there they all were. And, um, it was, uh, an incredible, incredible experience. <laughs> and they were inviting you in. Who was the person that you remember most? Um, I think, you know, seeing Gandolfini and Edie Falco sitting at the other end of the table, read their scene together, it was like, it was, uh, it was incredible. And I'm blanking on his name. Um, He's so amazing. And I'm blanking on his name, but he was so cute because I felt like he knew he was looking at me like, huh? like pretty great. Right. Like it, like everyone else was like, they'd been doing it, you know, it was like season five, I think. So, yeah. But he was so cute. Right. Um, It, it was, it's uh, Tony's sister's husband. I'm blanking on his real name. Uh, anyway, he was just so adorable. And he just kept looking at me like, I know, I know this is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, And That's so awesome. I do remember that energy. He was lovely. And just, um, you know, like I said, seeing James Gandolfini and Edie like read their scene across the table was just like, Incredible.
0: Isn't the Sopranos coming back? Wasn't there some talk about that? I hear the yes, sun? I think it's like a prequel or something, right?
1: I don't know any of the details, but I think they're doing, yeah, the Tony as a that young would, man, I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It would be very, very cool to see that. So so then uh Orange is the new black. Uh, talk to me about that. How did that come about? That was um I am like again, similar to I was such a huge fan of the show, and I had actually
1: auditioned a few times. Um one of the things you sort of learn as an actor is like your type. Right. And so I would sometimes get bored of my type. I, it helped me make, you know, I made my living basically doing commercials. Cause I look like sort of, you know, the nice real looking mom, like, you know, like it, I look like the mom that's sort of like getting stains out of, a boy's clothes or something. You know? <laughs> like, so I just made a living sort of doing that. And I would get, you know, four of those a year and that would pay for my theater habit. And I could do off Broadway and, you know, that does not pay very well, but like I could do that. And then you have these great TV and films, things that come along, but usually I would be sort of like the day player. Or I'd come in for a couple of days and be the, you know, earnest lab tech that's, you know, pulls the guy over and tells him the truth. And, you know, so, but it, you know, in the theater, I would have much more opportunities to play really great roles, but um, a lot of times for TV and film, it's sort of like, you're the day player, you're believable, you do your thing, you get the ball of the plate for, for the the fancy people to hit the ball, you know? Um, so I, I went in for a couple of really great smaller roles for Orange, um, had a scheduling issue with one of them, thank God, and couldn't do it. And then, you know, a year and a half later, they called me in for this part for Beth Hoffler. And, uh, I have never wanted a part more in my life. I was like, this is, um, this is incredible. And I didn't, they purposely, there were three scenes in that first episode. Um, and they purposely did not give me the scene or they cut it early where we find out what her crime was. And, um, but I just had this feeling. I was like, I think she is very complicated <laughs> and I think she, um, I have a feeling her crime was really bad and that she seems sort of one thing and is actually a lot, a lot of layers. <laughs> um, and so, uh, at the audition, I remember they specifically said, you know, no hair, you know, no makeup. No, don't do your hair. And, uh, I remember going, my husband isn't in the business, but I turned to my husband, I was heading out that day and I was like, I am so excited. I said, this is what dudes must feel like when they go to an audition, because it really is about the part and it's about acting. And it's not about whether did I make the right decision to put my hair on this side or, you know, it just seems like it's a lot of times for women in the business. It does feel like it comes down to that so often. And with this show, I felt like it didn't. And I, there I was in my white t-shirt and my, you know, blue pants and I was like, I think I'm going to walk there and even be a little sweaty, you know? So I walked to the audition and, um, I was so excited to go in the room and it went really, really well. And afterwards, um, they told me what the, what the crime was, um, Jen Houston, who's an incredible casting director. She was like, she's like, do you want to know what the crime is? And I said, yeah. And she told me, and I was like, oh God, oh my God. Uh, and I just prayed for that. Part, cause I was like, please, I, I don't even think I need a role after th-. It was just such an incredible experience. And I thought, I don't know that I need to, to act anymore. It was that, cause I feel like in the, in our business, you either have a great role, great people, you know, or a great film or te- you know, like the thing itself is fancy, you know? And for this, it was like a great role with amazing people. And, and, you know, one of the best shows, it was just dream. It was incredible. It was an incredible experience. It was so great. And was it all filmed in New York? Yep. Yeah. Um, a lot of my stuff, you know, cause I was in um, maximum security um, and that was all, most of it was filmed um, in Queens. And then, um, yeah, there was a, there was two different locations. Like we had uh, my character, you know, because people didn't really like her. <laughs> I was only, I, I was not in as many, like it had to be sort of group scenes. And so some of the like group therapy mm-hmm. scenes and all that were in, at, at, at a, a women's prison in, um, in Forest Hills, like a, like a, not a full prison, but like a. detention center kind of a thing.
0: Interesting. Did you, did you have to do a lot of, or did you get to do a lot of research and actually go into women's prisons? Um, I didn't get to do that.
1: Um, I I wonder if the girls did originally, like the original cast, I wonder if they did. What was sort of exciting though, is because um, it was maximum security, you know, stepping into that with these women who had been doing the show for, you know, for five years, it was kind of fun because a lot of them didn't know the new set. So even they were kind of like, wait, where are we? Where's the, you know, and it was, so it was kind of fun because I, we were, you know, but I knew that I had been there for 16 years. So my character had to sort of know, know it pretty well, but I did do a lot of research more about postpartum psychosis and, and stuff like that. That was sort of more like what, um, what I was really fascinated with. And I, yeah, that's. I'm sure like, God forbid, if anybody ever found my computer, the stuff that you sort of Google as an actor, sometimes I'm like, oh God, I hope I, so no one ever looks through my Google search or whatever. Cause I, you look up the strangest things as an actor that I'm like, you know, uh, but yeah, it was, it was a, it's a heartbreaking crime. And I just, um, you know, I, I, I learned a lot about as, as a mom, I I knew about postpartum depression and stuff, but i never really um, knew that much about postpartum psychosis and it's, it should be talked about so much more. It's such a, and it's not even, it never actually, we never actually learned that that is that, sh, that Beth had this, but, uh, I just uh-huh. sort of made that decision that that was, you know, you kind of, you're given the pieces, you know, the, the actors are only are given the pieces to the puzzle. A lot of times, just a little bit before the audience, you know, so a lot of times you don't know what your arc is and they do that on purpose so that it's super exciting to everybody and that it's not predictable. So, there were a few times that I was like, wait, what did I do? Oh my God. Okay. That's great. (laughs) That's
0: that's fun to play. I I can't imagine that these parts don't change you. I mean, you talk about the Google searches, but do, I mean, they're pretty, there's a lot right between the Sopranos between, I mean, I, I bet they, they really do, you know, change you in many ways. Is it, is it hard to disconnect, especially to, go home at night and, and start to live a normal life. And, and, uh, I bet that would be really tough. It does. It definitely does change you. I will say for me doing a play,
1: I think it's a little harder because you, you have to really, well, I guess it's the same really. I don't know, but like when you're doing a play, you're really in it for those months. And it's like, but it's, it is pretty easy, especially if you, you know, you get to where, you can, you know, that you, you separate, you're not that, you know, but, but it definitely does affect you. If you're doing a really silly rompy sixties comedy and you're being silly with, you know, you're getting paid to do this fun play up in the Berkshires with your friends. I mean, it's like, it's super fun. Right. But if you're doing a play that is, you know, really heavy, it definitely does weigh on you. You're sort of, you know, um, but, uh, but yeah, it's I, you do learn how to how to sort of separate it once you get home and 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 let it go. You have to.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. Absolutely. So interesting. And then in 2015, you received the Elliot Norton Award. Congratulations for your performance as Miss Calvin in The Shape She Makes, which was also an incredible performance. Why do you think that that was kind of highlighted as you know? Get award winning. I mean, what, what do you think it was about that in particular?
1: Oh, that was a play. Um, oh, that was one. it was one of the best productions I'd ever been a part of. It was so special. Um, Jonathan Bernstein and Susan Meisner. Um, it was their, their baby that they created and they're, they're two of the most incredible artists that I know. And they just, they created this piece. And I think if I just read the play itself, it's, there's a lot of movement in it. And usually I don't really like things that are sort of hooey, hooey and like pretentious. And so I think if I just sort of seen it on page on the page, I would have been like, Oh, I don't know if this is really me. It was one of the most moving pieces I'd ever been a part of. It was about a woman and they actually had to build a suit for me because she was somebody who abused, you know, food. And, you know, normally they were planning on using, um, you know, a, 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 larger actress but they had all of these things that they had in their mind that they wanted to do with her physically by you know so much movement that um that they ended up having to hire you know as a sort of a lighter body in a suit to to be able to do a lot of the things that they wanted to do physically it was just the, it was it was such an incredible play that literally at the end it was a really intimate space there was audience on three sides we did it at ART um in Boston in Cambridge actually. And, um, I had a hold for sobs at the end because it was, th- people were that visibly, um, emotional, emotional, and it took place. It, he jumps around in time. It's a nonlinear piece. And, you know, it, we, the audience comes in and we have to put these name tags, uh, on that we're seeing this, you know, so there's some sort of speech that's happening and you're not really sure what's happening. And my character who is like over 300 pounds, Walks in late. the uh, The play starts, and I purposely walk in late. And because of this, the shape of the because of the piece, um, the the woman giving the speech at the beginning sort of holds and says, "Oh, I'm sorry. You know, come on in." So you feel all of these eyeballs on me coming in. And then once the play starts, my character gets up from the play, and you see people go like, "Wait, what? She's in this play? And the story is about her? Like, we just had our own opinion about her coming in late." And now we are going to have a whole hour and a half with this woman. And she is telling the story and it was just really, really powerful. And they just did such an incredible job. I sort of got credit for, for it, you know, by, because I played this I role, it. but it was just a beautiful play. And there was a lot of talk of us doing it again. And, but we did, it just never sort of got the, the, the wind that it needed. But, um, but yeah, the, the I think the play itself won awards too. two, but it was such an honor. It was such a beautiful, beautiful play. <laughs>
0: That's so terrific. So years of being an actress, you decide to take the leap, uh, scare yourself a little bit and go off and write your own movie. How did that come about? Oh gosh. Well, I've always wanted to write. Um, I've been obsessed with
1: writing. I always, when I go for a little jog or whatever, my brain is just full of all these ideas, but I didn't really, I was afraid to do it. I didn't know Uh, I just had such respect for writers and I'm just kind of a, I don't know, I just felt like I was afraid to be judged in that way. It felt even more intimate than acting to me. And I felt like I didn't know the rules and I didn't. um, So, um, and I wasn't totally sure that I had a story to tell. And then my seemingly perfect 15 year marriage fell apart. And uh, I was like, oh, this this might be worth exploring. What
0: so the movie, by the way, is called before, during, and after, and it is so good on so many levels. It's on, is it, it is it on Netflix? What, it's what on, it's
1: on every platform that you normally rent or buy movies. So it's in the, it's in the Currently it's in, they call it like a TVOD window, meaning like transactional video yep. on demand. So it's sort of like on, on every, everything, you know, like iTunes, Amazon, it's so good, yeah, Vandango, all those. Yeah. Um, they're going to be announcing yeah. soon, some sort of, uh, SVOD release, you know, um, some sort of subscription later, but I, I,
0: I don't know what that is yet, but yeah, it's so it nice. So it's good. so
1: exciting to have it out, out in the world for people to see. <laughs>
0: So it came really from your own story and did you, so how long did it take you to write this?
1: It took, um, it took a couple of years to write it. Um, I, and then I, I was pregnant with my daughter and I suddenly felt like, oh, I need to do this now. Like I need to get this, I need to get this done. And actually I think it was the first year that, uh, that Meryl Streep was doing that, you know, the for screenwriters over 40 and I just turned 40 and I was like, I, this, whatever their deadline was, it gave me a specific deadline. So I was like, if nothing else, I'm, I, I like it, Cause at first I thought I would never really share it with anybody, but it was like to have that deadline. So I could say I had a completed screenplay. So I finished it and then I started sharing it with people and they were like, you have to make this, maybe you should sell it. So I was thinking about selling it. And then I was like, why am I selling it? I'm an actor. That's what I do. Why wouldn't I try to do this myself? And then sort of naively said... I'm going to make this without knowing what that meant at all. Thank God. I did not know what that meant because I would never, it's the most, it's the most intense thing I've ever done in my life, but I set out to do it. I was like, kids do this. Kids make movies. Like people say they're going to do things and, and they do it. So, um, that's what my, that's what I've been doing the last five, six years now has just been making this happen.
0: And the process of actually writing your own movie. So what we're kind of, the steps. I mean, it sounds daunting, right? I'm going to go make a movie. But did you? How did you tackle it? I signed up for
1: a class. Um, it was sort of like an extended ed class. You know, um, uh, someone had recommended this this teacher to me, and I took his class. I kind of cried a lot because I didn't know what I was doing, and I was like, "This is a story about a woman who." wants to have a baby. You know, it was kind of like, oh, it felt a little like therapy at first because I wasn't sure like what this story was about. But, um, I started writing these scenes as someone who had just sort of been on the other side of divorce. I was like, I want to see if I can create a piece that feels like divorce where it's sort of, you know, so I was turning in all these, all these scenes and the teacher kind of took a liking. He was really wonderful and, and invited me to be a part of his writer's group. And, And at first I was sort of like, oh, you know, I'm not really a writer and whatever. And so finally he was like, Finnerty, you have to stop saying that. And he said, it's actually sort of insulting because you're very talented and that like sort of being humble in that way of like putting yourself down, isn't getting you anywhere. And so I was like, oh, oh, all right. And I needed to kind of hear that because I was like, what am I doing? I I was, to this day, I'm not exactly sure what I was doing. I think I was protecting, protecting myself in some way to sort of say I was just dabbling. But um he was the one who said, you have us riveted. You're telling us this story out of order. You're turning in these pieces. And I think this is your film because we are like, wait, what, wait, did she lose the baby? Did, wait, did that, was that before that? Or, you know, did he really love her? And oh my God, this scene is heartbreaking. So he's like that if, and I was like, that's, that's what I, this that's what this feels like to me. But I also was afraid because I thought, well, I don't really know the rules and who am I to break rules yeah. that I don't understand yet. And he was like, stop it. You're an actor you know how to tell a story forget the rules they're there if you're stuck like if you need help but tell your story and so i had to just you know figure out how to do that without being you know a, being afraid of being called a fraud or like a you know a hack or something i don't know i had to just sort of put that away and say like this is my version of it you know this is this is what divorce felt like for me i really wanted it to be a hopeful movie but i also wanted it to be very truthful And I wanted it to be about, I wanted it to, to feel intimate, like, like we were sort of going with it together, going through it together, but also that she's going to be okay. In the end, I wanted it to feel like Mm -hmm. the divorce is really awful and for everybody, whether you're the person who wants it or doesn't want it, but that, that they're going to be okay. Like that was sort of the feeling I wanted and yeah, so that's.
0: No, I love it. And you touched on this. I mean, maybe in some ways, while it was scary, it was also kind of therapeutic, right? So going through your own situation and and knowing that you were going to get through this, and I'm sure sharing that story with others uh, watching this, I mean, it's a it's, uh, It's definitely at parts heavy, um, for sure, but it's, but it definitely is one that is, uh, I think I can see a lot of people saying, wow, that story just really, really helped me. And also knowing that you had been through this and this was your story, I think is, is so incredible. And so I believe that more, more than anything, uh, so many similarities between how you're talking about becoming an actor and how moving into a totally different type of um, profession in your industry, into writing and and learning so much along the way. There's so many similarities and. Like I said to you earlier on, I'm not sure that you've ever called yourself an entrepreneur, but your journey for sure uh, is there's so many similarities uh, along the way. What What advice would you give to listeners who are, you know, really feeling like, oh, I've want to be an actor or I've tried to be an actor and it's just not working or I've submitted screenplays and nobody wants them. I mean, what is kind of the, the biggest message that you want people to take away?
1: Um, I would say just to, to still follow, if you could follow where the joy is in it. Like I will say I lost some of the joy a little bit in like years ago where I was so determined that at one point I went, wait a minute, am I... You know, I had a small part on a really great TV show. It was actually a great little role. And I, I won't say what it is, but I remember being, I remember thinking like, yeah, like I was getting ready to enter. And I was like, is this, what is this feeling? I'm like, is this joy? Cause I was like, yeah, I'm on the blah, blah, blah show. Right. And I was like, is this joy? And I'm like, no, this feels more like, yeah, I get to say I did this show and it's on my resume. And so I was like, hmm, let's visit that later because, You know, I think that's okay too to do those things, but like I I had to kind of step for a second and make sure that I wasn't just because of my generation, sort of like I won't take no for an answer. This is what I'm going to do, and then not have other joy come in. So um, it was scary because I felt like I took a few steps back in admitting admitting that. But I have since been able to then turn down some things that I was like, no, that's not really joyful for me. Um, but yeah. I would say that there is room for you. Like if, if it really is something you love, there is room. You can insist that there be room for you. Even if you think like, well, I don't really see anything like me. That's even better because I, you know, I, I, and, and figure out the ways that you can pep talk yourself too. because I would change the facts sometimes just what well, I don't know if they're facts, but like, instead of going, wow, like instead of saying, they cut me off after my first scene. And I had two more scenes to audition with and they were done with me and rolled their eyes, right? Like you could stick with that and make that make you feel cruddy for the next couple of weeks. Or you could be like, yeah, I'm one of 32 women in the whole world that had a shot at that, right? So like, and I would just try to tell myself that that was the most important thing. And then once I got a little more confident, I would figure out like, okay, what, when I first leave an audition, there's that feeling of like, that went great. And then it's not till I get home that I'm like, oh, but then he said that and I probably should have and I should have blah, blah, blah. And like, I'm like, whatever that first feeling is of like, yeah, I set out what I, what I wanted to do, I did. Sometimes I'll say, what are two things that I did well? And one thing I could do better next time. Because that's like, I was super prepared. I blah, blah, blah. And but next time I should probably blah, blah, blah. And like, see if you can just keep doing that so you can stay in the game. Learning from your challenges. Yeah. 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 As a producer, I I will say I feel like I have more opinions. Like as an actor, just because I've been doing that so much longer. As a producer, this was my first time doing it, so I feel like I have opinions about things. But I'm not sure now what was luck, what was me, what could I have done better or differently. I have a feeling once I do, you know, two or three under my belt, then you go, oh wow, I'm good at that. Because consider, you know, or or like, oof, I've heard that before. That's probably something I should consider. I do feel like that life is short. And the fact that I am kind of a scared person, I think I was more afraid of not having done it, knowing that I really wanted to do it. So and I would just say, collect the nose, also. Like I never asked anybody for any help in my life and I had to ask for a lot of help. And I realized that, that the asking is actually flattering or that's what I'm telling myself <laughs> that you can just say like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. And I had to, to ask for help. And just say, this is what I'm doing. And people can say no. And I think my, as a producer, I needed money to make the film. And I'm like, I've never asked for anybody in my life. And so I had a friend say, collect the no's. You have to get at least 30 no's for every yes. So when you get a no, just know you're closer. And I'm like, okay. And so one of my first asks, they said yes. And I was like, oh crap, now I'm making this because somebody's writing me a check, (laughs) you know, and then it just, then it was actually happening. But I I realized too, that if people ask me like, Hey Finn, can you, if I can't do it, I don't think like, who do they think they are asking me to, you know, you're just like, I'm so sorry. I can't, I'm too busy. Or the asking isn't, you know, I, I also, I have to admit though, I did have to take out a lot of the, um, the language of like, Hey, I'm doing this
0: no biggie. You totally don't have to, like, there was a lot of the backing out stuff trying to give up apologizing. Right. And I, I can only, I can imagine. So, because again, it's, you're a little, you fear it and you've never done it before, but figuring out how do you actually go out and ask and just do it anyway. As my dad used to say to me, what's the worst that can happen? If you lead with that, I mean, you get a no and that's it. And you just keep moving. And more than anything, and enjoying your life, and trying, and so I love your story so much, and I know listeners are going to love it as well. Where can people find you if they uh, want to follow Finerty? And I'm sure there's a few other uh, things up your sleeve for sure. I'm uh, on Instagram. I'm at Finerty's
1: Photos, and Twitter at Twitter Finerty Steves. Our website for the film has sort of all of the stuff on the film. If you're interested in seeing that, it sort of says where it is. And we're going to be, uh, you know, we're going to our final festival um, next month, which is wonderful. And there. So that's uh, before, during, after the film.com.
0: So great. So if you love this episode, please give it five stars and uh, definitely review us on apple podcasts or spotify and thank you so much everybody for coming and listening and thank you Finerty, for giving us your time to talk a little bit more about this industry and and this career that you have this blossoming career continuing to do new and great things i love it so much uh so we're here every monday and wednesday and please come and uh Say hello to us on my social media is Kara Golden, all over Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, all of them. So thanks, everybody. Talk to you soon. Have a great week. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Thanks for listening.